Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Well, here we are. It is the second week of Pride Month. I am so excited. I hope everybody's having an amazing Pride Month. Maybe you've already been to a Pride Festival. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're shaking in your boots wondering, should I go? Should I go? It's my first year being who I am in my truth, and I'm not sure. Hey, whatever works for you, but I hope you have a circle that's going to support you and be fully supportive because Pride Month is about just stepping in further and deeper into your journey your own way and untangling some of the things that you may still need to untangle. And there's a reason I just use that word because I am so looking forward to having a conversation with our guest today. His name is Koshin Paley Ellison. He is helping people untangle so many things in their lives. He is a chaplain, a psychotherapist. He co-founded the New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care. That is a mouthful, but please go check it out. And um, he is really a thought leader about how do we step into this stuff. And um, I just can't wait to have this conversation. So Rick's going to shut up. Welcome, Koshin, to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here, man. It's a pleasure to be with you, Rick. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. So he's coming to us live from New York, everybody. So don't hold that against him. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, it's it's so powerful to me to have these kind of conversations because when you have someone who's a thought leader in this, like, let's steal the mind, let's quiet some of this stuff, especially in our coming out space, right? I mean, it, the mind just goes crazy. But what led you into... I'm going to go do some of this work and I'm going to do the Zen center and some Buddhist practices. What kind of was your entry point into that? And then we'll talk about your own coming out journey, but I find the Zen practice stuff very fascinating to talk about. So many places to pick up. And one that points to is, you know, I'm a come from a family of Holocaust survivors and Mm. generations of those. And so there is this kind of, which is common with, people who are forced to leave their environments, that lots of trauma. And so I also grew up with really amazing people with great values who were allowing some terrible things to happen inside of the house. So I Mm. felt like there was just enormous chaos. And on top of that, there was a lot of sexual and physical and verbal violence. And so I grew up in a world like that. And so I was always, for whatever reason, and a reason I'm so glad for whatever it is, I kind of knew that there was something wrong. And not just wrong with me, but just wrong with that situation. And so, you know, it was until I was around eight years old and I was with my grandfather on his white shag carpet. And this is in the 70s at Newport Beach and uh, laying on the carpet and looking through a National Geographic and seeing this picture of this Zen Buddhist monk in Tokyo with this large bamboo hat on Mm. and this little smile, couldn't see his eyes, totally still. 
and content seemingly. And everyone around him was blurred. Mm. And I remember thinking, I want to be that, a Zen Buddhist monk. And I think, you know, in retrospect, of course, I think I was so drawn to that stillness and contentment in the midst of chaos Mm -hmm. and confusion. And that that was possible. And there was an actual person living Mm -hmm. and standing on a street who was embodying that. And so it was a few years later when I was about 11 and began to study karate and at the local strip mall, you know, I grew up in the suburbs and the teacher used to be very, you know, strict and would have us sit in Seiza where you're sitting with your knee, with your legs underneath you on the wood floor, which was very painful. And like, now you go to a meditation class or something, you're on a cushion or a chair. Right. right. <laughs> this is, this was not that. And, you know, it'd be sweating. It was so painful. And he would walk slowly around us and say, you'll never be free until you can be still with your pain. Mm. And actually that teaching itself is really a Zen teaching. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm learning a superpower to actually learn how to be still and not react and not run away from. We felt very powerful. And it was also the beginning of compassion for me, for the people in my life who are you know, I was bullied for being a young gay kid and for the for the people in my house, you know, who I knew were good people who were doing some bad things. Yeah. And it was the beginning, like, oh, they don't know how to be still with their pain. They don't know how to be still with what's uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I feel like that really propelled me into a life of practice, of meditation practice, of learning how to see each opportunity as a way to do things differently. Mm. It's amazing. It is amazing. (laughs) I mean, I know in my own journeys of coming out early in life and then going back into the closet to, to serve others. Really? That was it. Plus I was naive. I mean, I, I came out, many people who've listened to the podcast know I came out at 19, right in the, right at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. I was naive and stupid. I probably wouldn't be here today if I had continued that path because I hadn't really even had any quote sexual encounters with men or women at that point. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I desired. I knew what I was attracted to, but that chaos was so vivid and real that I couldn't think straight. And then ironically, when I came out at 36, same sort of thing started happening. And that's actually about the time that I started exploring Buddhist practices. And I did Buddhism. I still practice some stuff from time to time. And when I started getting this concept of stillness, and it was interesting, Koshin, because I was exploring Buddhism, but then I was also working in some facilitated spaces with some gay men's groups and starting to really understand myself. And of course, it was all colliding because it was asking me to wake up. It was asking me to come to my own awakeness and around a, a different version of wokeness than what we hear so much about today. But I was being invited to really wake up to myself and to my beliefs and to my way to be at peace in the world. 
But every time I tried, I was an asshole <laughs> because somebody would push a button and I would do what you just described. I would have the reaction. I would jump into the chaos. The only way through was to be in the battle zone. Now, like you, I grew up in a chaotic home. So a narcissistic home that that's the only thing I knew that was in my DNA, right? You know, this is what we do. Now, I tried to back off from it, of course. But in those moments when those buttons were getting pushed, all I knew how to do was react until I started learning the value of pause, stop, breathe, embrace the pain. Don't run from it because, I mean, when I work with people now, I'm like, yes, there's going to be pain as you go through this coming out journey. And guess what? It's your journey never going to end. You're always coming out to somebody. But I honestly believe without some of that practice that I did, I don't think I could have done it as well as I now do it. I'm still not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So what is one of the things that you have found when, when you allow yourself to truly like dial into this stillness? And as you said, being with the pain and being still with it, what is one of the greatest benefits for you personally when you dial into that? For me, it's really... The capacity to dial in, it's just an interesting way of like to actually feel that connected. And for me, what happens is that I can actually begin to see the story that I'm telling myself. Like, for example, actually, my husband and I, we actually have a practice together that I share about in the book too. But the, <laughs> we actually really take into this practice of. I remember, you know, I was coming out of one room and going into another and he said, you know, what's wrong? Mm. And I said, you know, I'm going to go do the laundry. And I said, but I saw the distress on his face and I said, so what's the story you're telling yourself right now? And then he pauses like you were talking about and says, oh, that you're leaving me and you're upset with me. Ooh, wow. And I said, okay. And is that story true? And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, I'll see you in a few minutes. <laughs> but it's such an amazing, it sounds simple, mm -hmm. but it's about kind of relationally, how do we change our relationship and realize we're constantly telling ourselves stories because of those reactions. We're like feeling a moment of fear and that moment of fear gets attached to a narrative almost immediately. And so what I've found is like that, and I do the same thing too, you know, like the, the other day, you know, he was, you know, in front of the refrigerator and I was feeling rushed for some reason. And, you know, I just felt like this rage inside me, like this person is like making my life difficult. Like that was the story, right? Yeah. As opposed to then I just like put my hands on his hips and just like moved him to the side of the refrigerator. And I was like, okay, that's done. You know, like, mm -hmm. and it was not a big deal. Yep. But the how quickly we move from reaction to story. Mm -hmm. And so lately I've been thinking about this expression that keeps coming to my mind, like the medicine of no narrative, you know, like to taste mm -hmm. uh, learning how to soften our narrative it's not it's that huge. important it's just a story 
And it doesn't mean the story is bad. It's just a story. It is just a story. And this is one of the things I work with people so much on in our, in our coaching sessions. Mm. I always ask, well, what's the story behind that? Or what, what's the story you're, you're creating right now? Or what's the belief mm-hmm. that you're, you're building around that? Or what's the belief you have that supports how you're feeling right now? And as oh, people are starting to like, I know there's going to be some listeners that like, they may, this may be their first year to like really step out and like, okay, I'm declaring who I am. And there's going to be stories around that. There's going to be fears around that. There's going to be joy and excitement around that. And I've seen it happen in so Mm -hmm. many different ways. Right. Right. And what's beautiful about this. In fact, I remember one, one pride many, many years ago, right after I'd started my coaching practice, I actually was in LA area. So we were going to long beach pride and I invited a few of my clients who were just starting to come out and said, Hey, I would be, I will be your, I will be your surrogate pride papa. If you want to go with me to pride and I'm like, I'm not a big pride guy, but I go and I have fun. I'm like, I will, I will be there and I will quote, hold your hand, so to speak. Right. Mm. And then as it showed up, there was a couple of guys that said, sure, let's do this. But even as it showed up and it was time to go and, you know, we went to the parade and everything. I'm like, okay, well, that was, that's one piece of a pride. You know, you have different feelings that are going to show up. And of course, both of them were like a little nervous, like, but we're standing here on street corners where people, you know, I'm like, just trust the process here. You're okay. You know, maybe more okay back then than you might be today going to a pride, but it's such an interesting thing because they were they were scared of that. But then as we started to go to the Pride Festival, you know, grounds, I actually started having a reaction to that. Like, oh, who am I to be taking these guys and all this? And I literally in my own head said, what's this freaking story you're creating, Rick? You're their coach. They trust you. They guide you. So you're creating a story that you're not the best guy to take them through this experience, which it really wasn't my job to even take them through the experience. I was just holding space with them. I was just being with them. And sometimes we get in our heads about this stuff so much, like even like move away from the refrigerator, right? There's a story that we create. <laughs> Funny that you told that story. Cause I, I was like, I just did that with my husband a couple of nights ago. I'm like, can you just get out of the way? Right. You know? And I'm like, okay, what's the deal here? It's not that much of a rush. All we're going to do is go sit down and watch freaking TV after this. Right. Right. Yeah. And that we create such a melodrama, you know, like well, that we is. create this huge thing where it's just like, oh, excuse <laughs> me. So I'm glad you brought up that word. I wasn't expecting that word, but I love melodrama. Hmm. So we do this. So we do this so well as humans, we create our melodramas. Hmm. But in your practice, how do you help somebody? or guide somebody who's like, Koshin, help me here. How would you guide somebody to like stop the melodramas, which is just another version of a story, but melodrama is so much bigger. It's like the musical for the Tonys, right? It's we're, we're going for that Tony award right now. I actually say that to some clients. I'm like, when a Tony award story there, would you like me to nominate you for that? Um, but, so great. <laughs> well, it's fun. I try to have fun in my coaching too. Like, oh, that's yeah. an Oscar performance there, honey. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm also very serious about this too. But what's something you yeah. would say? Like, if they really needed help, like, okay, let's let's get the melodrama. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, you know. I know there's so many ways into this, man. So whatever you feel like is a, an easy entry point. 
for someone to like quiet this down a little bit? Yeah. So for me, there's these four basic instructions from Zen practice and that I always find really helpful. And they're kind of some of the four basic things about posture. And so sometimes I think about posture and how we are in our life. Mm. Like how are you holding yourself? And not just in your body, but your mind. Like how are you posturing your mind? Because I think so often we forget that we might be look like we're being attentive or put our bodies in place, but our mind is like somewhere else and scattered. And so starting with grounding yourself, so like literally physically making sure that you're actually aware that you're attached to the earth in Uh some way with your body. And, but also with your mind at the same time, like, are you actually here? Mm. So grounding your mind so that your mind can actually begin to settle and feel the ground also because again it's easy thing just to say you know with your body and then the second part is actually putting your hands on your lower belly just below your belly button which is you know the foundational place in zen practice about where to bring your breath and so allowing it to be soft there so and i love like allowing our body to be soft yeah and allowing our mind to be a little soft, a little receptive even mm. to like new things, to new possibilities. Mm. And then the third is open, and which literally often is like just open your shoulders like even a millimeter or more. And yep. so that there's a sense of in your body, a sense of openness, which of course allows your lungs to expand more. And but also like where in your mind can you open just even a millimeter more? Mm-hmm. So notice where you're kind of clamped down yeah. and how do you, as this wonderful teacher, Kosho Uchiyama says, you know, just open the hand of thought. Like, how do you just like, you know, notice where are you gripping onto in your mind mm-hmm. and open it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, I just find that just delicious, mm-hmm. you know? And the other part is upright. So just actually being aware of your spine. So in your body, seeing if you can actually elongate your spine so you can be upright. And also like where in your mind are you like a little <laughs> little weird? We're all yeah. a little weird, which I think is just so great. You know, like we're all a little weird and we go down strange roads in our mind. And how do you just like bring it back to what upright could look like now? Mm. Like upright and attentive and maybe even caring. Yeah. Yeah. Such a, such a powerful thing. Um, I'm, I'm a big, tall six foot four guy and I've always had no way. trouble with like posture. Right. And so anytime that like the shoulders start getting wonky or I'll go to my massage guy and like, you're really tight. You're not standing up straight. Are you? I'm like, Nope, I'm not. So then of course I'll get out of massage and I'll go sit in the car. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put the seat forward. I'm going to do this. And of course, five minutes driving home. I'm like, this isn't working. Let's just relax. Right. But it's always so interesting when I do that, 
and this people are going to go, this is crazy what you're about to say. It's not crazy. The way I see the world is so different when I'm standing very upright and tall without it being stiff, you know, like when I'm just mm -hmm. upright and tall, the way I see the world is mm -hmm. so different. And it's just, I can, I mean, I can do it even right now. I kind of just did it because I wanted, as you were saying that, I'm like, okay, let's, let's look, let's do this. I found right. myself, well, I wasn't, I haven't been listening to you until just this moment. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I found myself really like, oh, I'm hearing coaching in a slightly different space. I mean, I was cognizant and hearing you, right. but just that simple posture. And like, when you talked about the belly, I mean, that's something I, re I remember through practice as well. The thing is, is we're pattern interrupting folks. This is what we're doing. We're pattern interrupting so we can get present to right. ourselves and what we're in, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not easy at, at this, you know, at this lovely coming out journey, everything mm -hmm. is going to feel chaotic, everything, mm -hmm. even when it's joyful, it can feel a little chaotic, mm -hmm. but if you have something to help ground you, and I love that you went through those things of like really being grounded in the earth and, you know, the belly and the openness and the being upright, that's, that's just simple things. And I would invite mm -hmm. any of the listeners right now to really think about any one of those things. You don't have to do all four at once. Find mm -hmm. the one that you feel like best fits for you. That's really mm -hmm. going to be something like I, I do the posture thing a lot because I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. when I do that, I feel completely different. I can be in the shittiest mood. <laughs> I'm like, okay, just stand up straight for a minute. Oh, wow. Look, it's so much different because I don't feel like this weight of the world is mm -hmm. on me. And I know coming out can feel that way. Yes. Okay. So part of what you're talking about is really some untangling our thoughts and our beliefs and how we show up. And I know your book untangled just recently came out. It's called untangled walking the eightfold path to clarity, courage, and compassion. You know, I have some C words. I'm going to kind of jump on there in a minute, but um, <laughs> this book is really about taking people through really some practice, I would say, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like showing them some pathways through. So why don't you give us some insights about, what do you think somebody could get from this book who may be struggling with being in themselves coming out afraid of going to mm -hmm. a pride um, or anything in their life? I love the clarity, courage, and compassion, but um, mm -hmm. love you yeah. to share your perspective on, you know, what you'd like to see some people who may be struggling be able to mm -hmm. do with the book. Well, one of the, you know, thank you, first of all, and we are all struggling in different ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the coming out journey, for sure, as has its own deep complexity. And it also to remember, we share everyone struggles and is entangled in different ways. And so one of the reasons I wrote this book is I actually felt just compelled to write it and didn't feel like I had a choice. And, and I, my own ethic as a teacher is to say, well, if I'm going to write about suffering and entanglement and how do you get work with that into clarity, courage, and compassion, I have to actually touch those places in myself that I really str struggle with. Right. And so I really, the book is also that it's also me walking alongside you and sharing and so many things and, experiences abuse and pain uh i really share actually what that were illuminated to even myself in the writing of it 
And for me, one of the key parts of it is to really think about, it's one thing to be clear. Mm-hmm. Like many of us know that, like, I know my shit. I know, like, I'm really, you know, screwed up around certain things. And a lot of us are quite clear. But I think that the big difference is, you know, this is why the subtitle is the way it is, is because the courage to do something different is really with the heart of this book. It is not just staying, we must have that clarity. Yep. So essential. And it's only as valuable as the courage we need to actually actualize it, to meet it, to do something different. You know, there's a scroll, a Japanese scroll that our friend of ours made for us. And it says, no words, only action. You know, like it's actually what we do with our life. Mm. Or as the historical Buddha said, you know, that the only true belonging you have are your actions. You know, and I spend a lot of time with people who are dying and often the regrets of the dying, including those with their own coming out stories, is like the regrets of the non-action mm-hmm. and staying in the fear, staying in the hesitation. Yep. I've never met someone who was regretful because they acted right and they learned to love and they found someone in this world to love and allowed themselves to be loved but i've met so many people who are just completely embittered with regret Mm -hmm. because they hesitated and believed their fear so really that courage is learning how to feel the fear and not be the fear. Mm. It's like learning to feel your feelings without becoming your feelings. Mm. So like I'm having a moment of fear as opposed to I am afraid. Yeah. yeah. Which is a huge difference. And it's huge not difference. just and it's not just words. It's like like a real thing. <laughs> like our lives, and I know this well myself, like for many years. I had this identity as a victim, which is also true, you know, that I was the victim of these different forms of abuse, of homophobic abuse, of anti-Semitic abuse, and as I was sharing earlier. And that's true. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of other things are true also. And I've what I found is that that's what was in the missing link is learning how to realize like many things are true and our identity does not have to be so small. And a small identity often in myself was actually where I locked in myself as an 18 year old, you know, as a lone wolf. And I was really over identified as a lone wolf. Wow. And I remember so much so, and I was like wearing my beads. I was still spiritual, but I was like, you know, going to this retreat, that retreat, and really searching, really searching in a very sincere way. And I remember this woman on a bus, Greyhound bus, like turns to me and she's like, so are you a Buddhist or something? And I remember thinking, cool. She knows I'm a spiritual person. (laughs) I was like, 
Yep. And she and I said, yeah. And she's like, oh, so who's your teacher? I was like, oh, I study with this person, with Sharon Salzberg, Jack Cornfield, this person, that person. And she's like, oh, so you uh, are a lone wolf. And I said, yes, you know, that is me. Like, you know, the great John Wayne kind of archetype, right. you know, like I'm just by myself. And uh, she said, you know, the interesting thing about lone wolves are that they are sick and they are separated from the pack because they're sick. She said, so I wonder what you're sick with. Mm. And I remember thinking on the bus, like, oh, shit. Yeah. It was like such a, like, like a splash of bucket of cold water, just like, mm-hmm. And it was really the beginning of me understanding I was in a way sick yep. with a very small identity mm-hmm. and where I felt like it was safer to stay alone and not really be known right. than to actually allow myself to be vulnerable because actually I'd learned in my family of origin and places of origin that that was unsafe and that was true back then right but i was still functioning and so i, I write about this too that was super important understanding is that i had armored myself up but now as moving into adulthood that armor had become a cage because mm-hmm. it wasn't fending off anything anymore. And it was the cage of the size of my own body. And the front of the cage was the things I kind of was aware of. And the sides of the cage were the parts that I was kind of aware of. And then there's a whole back of the cage that I was not aware of. Wow. And that was like really the beginning of important spiritual work and psychological work of really wanting to untangle how how much pain I was in. Yeah. And I felt like I still remembered that picture of that monk as said, mm. it's possible. You can yeah. do that in this life. But don't you believe that so many of us in our LGBTQ plus space, we do exactly what you did. It becomes our armor. Because we feel like lone wolves. Many of us feel like, okay, and society has said, and, you know. And we had to be. We had right. to be. Well, and it's, it's we're back there right now with all this transgender stuff. They, they are being put out like, you're, you're sick. Go away from the, you know, go away from the pack. You're not, you know. And so painful. It's very painful. And it's not just in our community. I mean, there's other marginalized communities that are feeling this as well. But I'm glad you brought this up because there is this beautiful compassion and courage and clarity that comes when you start embracing yourself and realize you're yes. not alone. I know that sounds really trite to anybody who's listening, but you're not alone. There's there's plenty, there's there's millions of us on the planet that are like, wait, come come join, come join our family, right? Yes. But it's really hard at times, you know, as mm-hmm. I work through with people, you know, it's interesting you have those three C's. I have six C's in my practice. Um, because I start from a place of confusion. The first place we have to start is we have to break through the confusion. And the only way that you get there is to become really curious because the more curious you become, the more answers you get. 
So here's where you and I align in a, a one of the C words, because as you get the answers, you become courageous. But it takes more than courage. It takes this commitment to keep moving forward. So to your point of being in action, right? I love that, you know, no words, only actions. Because as you become that committed person, all that's helping you. And there's going to be times you're going to fall back into the confusion. Well, we're just going to start it all over again. You're going to get curious, ask the right questions, all this stuff. But even as you're committed to all of this, the beauty about commitment is that it raises your level of confidence to consistently show up. And I love this, this framework that you have because the courage, I mean, the courage, the clarity, and the compassion it's one of the best ways to be fully human, mm-hmm. but you have to embrace these paths. You have to yeah. own where you are. And when I work with my clients, I, we'd go through, I don't literally go like, okay, well, I'm going to take you from here to here to here. Right. <laughs> I'm listening for where they are and going, okay, this is interesting. And this isn't, this is Rick's system. This isn't how Rick was trained as a coach, but it does lean into that. Mm-hmm. Ironically, I, I also coach professionally. Uh, I work for another company as their coach as well. And our three C's are clarity, confidence, and a clear path. We work with speakers. You could take any of this. All of this is about you getting in your own mind to have that clarity and that confidence and that compassion, that courage to embrace being you in the world, whatever that looks like. Okay, maybe not like the crazy ones that are out there making horrible things happen in the world, but um, it's just we so all powerful. Have that potential. Well, we do all have that potential, and that's the thing is, I know in my worst. So back to when, like when I was really coming out in my my true true coming out, finally, like I'm taking a stand. I was in my worst because I was in fight mode. I wasn't trying to be clear in my my truth. I was like questioning it even on myself. And this is where I think we all kind of hover at times, like our own homophobia or you know, transphobia or whatever shows up in our journeys until we start, until we settle like the, the dirt in the water, right? Until it settles, you know, totally. Totally. once that settles, that's when the clarity comes rushing forward, not really rushing, but it does come forward, but you mm-hmm. can't get to that clarity. If you're constantly stirring the pot, you have to let that, that, um, settle in so that you really drive yourself forward. I love this. No words, only actions, because I have seen this work in so many different ways. So I'm going to tell a little tattletale on myself right now, which some of the listeners have heard, but it's been a while. I really struggled with this second book that I'm in the midst of getting out there in the world. I loved writing it. It's around my whole, like the live unapologetic life, all that sort of stuff. And then I started doing like most of a second guessing. I like, know ah, he's going to read this, you know? And so then what happened? I wasn't doing anything. There was no action. Absolutely no action. Lots of words, but no action. And then I like got really in my head and was feeling really down. So then I'm like, come on, pick yourselves up. Let's go do this, right? You, This is the book you said you really wanted to get out in the world. So I pushed forward, rewrote it some. I'm like, well, that's closer. Cool. I got it rewritten. Put some some of Rick's fun, sassy voice back into the book. Yeah, but I don't know if somebody's still going to read it. So again, there we were. No action, right? Finally, the third rewrite. I'm like, okay, this feels solid. So I'm going to do something about this, which I did. I put it to about 10 people that I felt like would give me good 
you know, give me true feedback. Not like we think it's wonderful, Rick. No, I don't need you to kiss my ass. I need you to tell me it's shit or it's not right. And if it is shit, tell me what it is or is it resonating or what you, you know, and I was, that was really vulnerable. You know, you know, you've written books like it's really vulnerable to put your stuff out there and then start suddenly the editors like this or somebody else like we don't really get this. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, Koshin, I gave it to the all these people. I'm like, hey, I need it by this date. A couple of them gave me stuff. And then the date came. I'm like, well, they can get it to me by this date. Well, they can get it to me by this date because I was doing the same thing. No action. Because I knew if I got it back. I was going to have to take action. I was going to have to read their comments or listen to their stuff. Mm -hmm. So finally, all that came to, to get together. And I did. I sat on it and I sat on it. And then one day I was like really in my head going, I need to do something creative and wonderful. I need to do this. I'm like, well, then why don't you read what people said, Rick? Why don't you go in there and do this? Right. My best, one of my best friends was the last person that I listened to. And I'm like, I know he going, he going to give it to me straight. Right. And I was just like, okay, you say you're a big boy. You're 59 years old, man. Come on. You can take this. Right. It was some of the most beautiful words I've ever heard in my life. But all along I was not taking action. Now, I'm not saying it's hundred percent perfect, but it's given me that platform to say, yeah. now let's go take that next step. Yeah. And I think our coming out journeys and how we decide to show up in the world, it's this very similar metaphor. We're going to be excited. We're going to want to move forward. And then we get tangled up. And then we'll have some clarity around coming out. And then we'll get tangled up. And then when the courage lights up because, oh, good, look, all these people, they're doing pride. And we like, oh, well, maybe not this year. Right. And again, folks, I'm not saying you have to go to pride to be out proud LGBTQ. I'm never going to say that. And most of the time, we don't give ourselves the compassion. And I feel like just what you've brought into the world with this book is going to help guide people to that space mm. and give them a way through. What's one of the things you feel like you've learned most about this practice of clarity, courage, and compassion for yourself? Mm. Well, one woman that I was with at the end of her life, and she just said, you know, promise me one thing. And I said, seems fair. She said, don't hold back. And for me, like that is the manifestation of clarity, courage, and compassion to mm -hmm. not hold back from expressing the love. Because actually the one thing that is often held back is how much we care. We, we get lulled into kind of some kind of stasis and we forget right. to tell the people that we really care about how we feel forget to hold people's faces we forget to hold our own face with that kind of love mm. and so for me you know the manifestation of a life well lived is like that we just completely lived it that we can say that i lived until i died that mm. I didn't hold back. Yeah. And so I just feel, you know, and I met Rose, I don't know, 25 years ago or something. And just she continues to inform me. And so my wish for all of your beautiful listeners and for this Pride Month is that we all remember like what it would be like if we didn't hold back who we actually are and how we love in this life. 
and find ways to express our love and compassion in this world because the world desperately needs it. And I don't know that enough of us realize how much the world needs us. And it doesn't have to be because you write a book or that you have a podcast or that you go do something of some great substance by giving back to a community. All those things are are amazing. It can simply be showing up in the world and and saying to somebody, hey, how are you? It could be that simple. It could be simply like showing up. I mean, we had a, a work retreat in my other, in my other quote life, so to speak. And um, it was a few months ago. And we're a team that all we all work remotely. There isn't any, there is no office. We're all remote workers. So we only get to see each other once a year. Like we see each other, yes, on Zoom for team meetings and stuff like that. But physically, we only see each other once a year. And this past year was, I guess it was the year of the crying. We all decided we're all going to cry. We're all going to cry together. We're going to kumbaya big time. And it was really powerful to see people showing up and putting themselves out there. Because now we all understand each other so much better. And there was one person in particular. Well, it was, yeah. And this one person in particular just really opened up. And this was somebody that I know a lot of us had made some judgments about, like, "Mm, I don't know, they just seem pretty stiff and everything. It was so beautiful to see that they aren't stiff, that there's this whole other space. The gift he gave me was Rick, don't always be stiff. There's times I can get really stiff, like, let's just get focused, let's do it, which that's great because get stuff done, right? But sometimes when I get into that mode, all people see is, gosh, he's really pent up and stiff. I used to be told, you never smile. I'm like, well, yes, I'm hiding in a closet, living a double life. And if I smile, somebody's going to think I'm gay. Hello? Right? (laughs) But um, it was such a beautiful lesson. It was a beautiful lesson reminder, right? I mean, I, I know this intuitively in myself. But there are times that all of us were humans. That seems to be my default that when I'm feeling it, I I'm down. I'm Mr. Serious. Just let's do it. Right. And people go, I listen to your podcast and you're a totally different guy in the podcast. And I'm like, well, that's the podcast. You know, I'm not acting. There's this, there's this other side of me there. Right. And they're like, we'd like to see more of that. And I've taken a lot of that to heart at this point in my life, because I think that's the beauty of us showing up, being fully who we are, living in our courage, letting our clarity and compassion towards ourselves be that beautiful beacon of light out there in the world. Mm. Mm. What a good conversation, man. Thank you for what you do in the world. So, I mean, there's lots of stuff that we didn't even touch on. I mean, you, you do so many different things and give of yourself in so many different ways from, you know, the things you do with your contemplating care services and positive care. And I mean, you're everywhere, man. I'm like, does he have any time to breathe to himself? But, um, but thank you so much, Koshin, for being part of this. Again, the book is Untangled, Walking the Eightfold Path to Clarity, Courage, and Compassion. I'm assuming you can get it anywhere, pretty much, right? You can get it anywhere, audio digital and hardcover yeah i bet the audio is really good because you have a really amazing comforting voice i'm sure you get told that all the time it was an amazing you know when i finished recording it like the whole the director and the producer and the audio person we all were crying you know like it was Mm -hmm. it was actually an incredible experience to Mm -hmm. 
journey together you know yeah well thank you so much for being here and thank you rick for the beautiful work you do thank you and everybody happy pride go out there and, and and with clarity and courage and compassion toward yourself however that looks for pride for you this season it doesn't have to be the flags and parties and all that for you it could just be hey i just i love myself and i'm admitting for the first time in my life i'm part of the queer community there's mm-hmm. your pride there you go that can be all it needs to be so all right well thank you again coach and appreciate you and please everybody go grab a copy of his book it would be really great i have my copy already i'm enjoying reading it and um highly recommend it so thanks again for being here my friend Thank you so much. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.